this. <laughs> Sorry, say again. <laughs> Fucking A. That thing always interrupts me. Okay, okay. This. Start it is- over. <laughs> Sorry, I wish. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> okay, this time is time to go. Okay, is this it? Is this? All right. One, two, three, four. <laughs> This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Adrian, and with me, as always, is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, our fearless leader, Jake. Jake, say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. Fearless leader. No, I am deathly fearful of everything these days. I'm (laughs) fearful of the world outside and the world inside. Jeez, I get no respect. I'm afraid to walk into my own fucking living room because I'm going to have to watch Paw Patrol or some bullshit. Oh, well, if it makes me feel better, we leave the Disney on for Stella. So I usually enjoy Stella. watching it. I know. <laughs> oh, this should just bark too. I will never stop making that reference to a film. I don't. Uh, streetcar Neighbors there. I've never seen it. You've never seen that movie? Fuck no. It's black and white. I don't have fucking uh, time for that. Anyway. <laughs> Do you know what I bought? Check this out. You're going to love this. I bought okay. Billy Zane's The Phantom on VHS with the holographic cover where he punches you and it says Slam Evil. Oh, mm-hmm. that's cool. When did you get so that? Excited. The other day. I also bought Flesh Plus Blood, which is mm. Paul Verhoeven with Ratka Hauer, which actually fractured their once beautiful relationship until I think they reconciled right before death. Oh, yeah. You know, that's interesting because I literally just read today about a relationship that was, you know, put into turmoil over a woman. And I never mm. knew this. It was apparently like Julia Roberts was engaged to Kiefer Sutherland and she like ran off with Jason Patrick and they were best <laughs> sure. friends. Did what? you? Re- I was like, is this real? I should have Googled that. But I'm like, if that was real, that is so awesome. And then I guess, it, I don't know, Jason Patrick was quoted saying, you know, we remain friends because they're friends again now as old people. Well, didn't, uh, wait, did they ever get married or anything? No, because he got married. His only partner is Danielle Schreiber, married from 2002 to 2012. I see nothing about Julia Roberts. Oh, here we go. Uh, Began dating Days after she canceled her wedding to Kiefer Sutherland. Ooh, <laughs> you spilled some tea. I totally did. I know. I was like, oh, you're kidding. Because they were best friends. What? Oh, like, I was like, oh, my God. And incidentally, the same article, Billy Bob Thornton left Laura Dern for Angelina Jolie. I'm like, who, who the fuck is leaving? Like, firstly, like, who wants to marry Billy Bob Thornton? I just, I'm posing that out there for everybody. I don't understand it. Why? <laughs> Didn't he wear like a vial of her blood around his neck like a fucking dork? She wore that, I think. She wore oh, the vial of even Angelina better. Jolie. Yeah. Well, she's know, so I, obsessed with bad Santa. Yeah. I mean, she's just happy, like pulling all these guys away, right? Oh, oh. Like you can have Billy Bob. I, I, if I was Laura Dern, I would have totally been happy to have dodged a bullet. I'm just yeah. gonna say that. <laughs> I, I'm not a people uh, very often think that I am uh, would be the guy who's into Bad Santa. I truly hate that movie and everything about it. I just <laughs> cannot not as the 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 pickle thing. Get the fuck out of here with your pickle. <laughs> 
Well, okay, okay. I do love Bernie Mac and John Ritter in that movie. So I think it has its moments. I'm just like going to say Ritter. that. Have I you seen his nutsack? Have we talked about this? It's on uh, an episode of Three's Company. Yeah, you told me over. his nuts fell out. Yeah. I did not look it up, though. I am sad to say. Coward. Okay. Well, oh, yeah. Really- um, <laughs> let's survey the fans real quick. Uh, in terms of T-shirt designs, I know we just released 11 new designs last week, but uh, tell me what you think about this. I pitched it to Adrian. We put in quotes, let's go, Brandon, and we attribute that quote to cowards because it is too cowardly to just say fuck whoever. Don't make yeah. a cute code, you cuck. And, and, and honestly, I don't quite understand it. Like I was looking up the other day why, and I still kind of don't understand it. Is it like their version of Karen? Because like, I, I don't, I don't, whatever. I, I think this is the real, like, I think I finally discovered this week that I've surpassed the young person getting things online. And now I'm just like the old person that doesn't quite get it. So I don't care enough to look it up anymore. Well, I feel like this shouldn't be something that we would put on urban dictionary. It's like suburban dictionary. Like you're too much (laughs) of a coward to take off your polo shirt and go out in the streets and say, fuck whomever. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And apparently DeSantis recently had a, some kind of jamboree, I'm going to call it, or nanny, <laughs> over at some, in Brandon, Florida, at a dealer, car dealership named Brandon something. I'm like, oh, wow. aren't you, like, don't you have a fucking life? <laughs> like, who has Also, time? aren't you from the same party that did the Four Seasons landscaping? You will <laughs> never be clever enough to outdo that blemish. Like yeah. we should just start a new conservative party because that is like the lowest point with Rudy Giuliani and his leaking oil head. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, and like the, America's so, mayor. I'm, I'm so embarrassed for them. Like, I cannot believe, well, whatever. And, but they're still proud and of mind themselves. You, I'll go on the record. I'm not a Democrat either. So please don't feel like I'm just hating Republicans because I'm blue in Dabandi Dabandai. <laughs> well, no, I'm not. I'm independent as well. But you, I don't know how California is, but in the state of Florida, you have to be registered as one or the other. You can't vote in the primaries. So correct. Motherfuckers. So that I mm-hmm. had to register as something. So I was independent for the longest time. But that, this last election, I was not going to just <laughs> let this slide. I couldn't do it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> So went to Huggy Joe, who took away bankruptcy protections for student loans and is now the guy in charge of potentially wiping out student loans. Hmm, I wonder if he's going to do that, despite snarky tweets from AOC. Uh, uh, whatever. At this point, I just I, I don't I can't I can't do it anymore. Doesn't she know how fragile old white men work? Criticizing him isn't the way to do it. She has to no. be like, oh, she has to do what Trump does and just lie and say that they already had a deal, right? Remember when <laughs> Trump was like, oh, yeah, the 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 New York Yankees invited me to go throughout the pitch. And he just like tried to make that a narrative. And they were like, no, sir, no. that didn't happen. Like, <laughs> she should just have the confidence to make Joe and I talked. He's going to wipe out all student loan debt. Right, Joe? Yeah. And like he's we, so daft. He'll be like, uh-huh. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Over a couple of glasses of what it will people drink eggnog or something. <laughs> I don't know. Just he, you know, should say it was when he was healing from his leg after breaking it, playing with his dog that Fox News says is ugly. He's like, oh yeah, you might have mixed some pills with your alcohol there, Huggy Joe. Well, I, that's my thing. You're gonna go after someone's dog, like who? Like that is the lowest of the low. Like what does the doggy ever do to you, bro? Bro, let's get some real, real political cheese here. So they're attacking Kamala Harris. Kamala, whatever, 
for buying a pot, a cooking pot, which is a very domesticated thing to do for a woman, I feel, because it was like 300 and something dollars. Meanwhile, their guy cost millions of dollars to pay himself to go golfing. Millions with an M. Okay. And this is my issue is that Mm. that's cheaper than a kitchen aid stand-up mixer, which I still don't have. And literally there is like no price on a really good cooking pot. Like you have no idea how fucking much I love my Martha Stewart Dutch oven. And if anybody touches it or breaks it, I will kill you. I literally kill you. Like I give my wife a Dutch oven every day. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) Sorry. But we, what we did is we bought a fancy ironclad or whatever pot from America's test kitchen. Because okay. they take the ones that are like slightly fucked and they just sell them after they've used them. And so I got like a $300 pot for like 150 So if Kamala had done that, she wouldn't be dealing with snarky Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Well, Tucker Carlson can go put on a new wig for all I give a shit. And I'm What's not wrong with his face? Just his everything. face is wrong. He looks the- like an animatronic that has a virus that's constantly downloading in the background. Uh, the, 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 the. I think his Botox went awry. <laughs> yeah, right. They hit a nerve and it just went down his face. Like he has what JR from Pro Wrestling has, but on both sides of his mouth. <laughs> Bell's palsy. Oh, I know that's terrible. Anyway, so um if well, I were if I if I ever get diagnosed with Bell's palsy, this is how I'm gonna tell everybody. I'm gonna do Donna Summers ring my bell and I'm just gonna sing it through half of my mouth. Oh my god. Not a good idea is a good idea. Oh, that's that's a fabulous idea. If that ever happens, I'll hold you to it. You gotta own it, right? <laughs> Just come out confident. Like I, I owned up to my weird fucked up eye and, and nobody nobody criticized me for it. I don't think you have a fucked up eye though. I have a like fucked I'm, up eye. I'm I'm like weird droopy eyelids that my eyelids are like sadder than like a basset hound's cheeks. They're just like flopping down my head. Nothing a little botulism can't fix. I'm just saying. No, that that would weaken the muscles and I would just like have not I'd have closed eyeballs. Your eyes would be up here and then you'd be fine. It wouldn't change the anatomy of my face and relocate my eyes to my forehead. There's no sockets there. Pulls stuff up. That is horrifying. You're saying that my eyes would detach from my socket, slither up into my forehead where there's no eyelid, and then no. just be lodged in there. And I wouldn't be able to see. I'd only be able to see if you did like a flashlight through my skin. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. You're a weird person. <laughs> Speaking of weird people, let's talk about Annie Wilkes in the movie Misery. Am I right? Oh, I know. I know. Like super, super cringe. I love it. It's so good. This yeah. is an undeniable classic film. And so let's... We kind of had fun with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 quiz. So I feel like a great way to kind of catch us up instead of doing a full recapitation like we used to do. Let's just take a dumb quiz and see how smart we are. Okay, that works. Let's do so it. this is the highest rated quiz on funtrivia.com, which has the shittiest graphics I've ever seen, including a clip art jester, which <laughs> looks haunted. It, you know how they have NFTs where it's like, this is the original, this is an NFT, but it the, the special encrypted thing is Satan. First question, what song played at the very beginning of the movie? Oh my God. I was just thinking to it too when he's in the car. Yeah. So there's Smokey Robinson's Tears of a Clown, Junior Walker's Shotgun, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, Lionel Richie's All Night Long. But we all know that it's a trick question because the first one is, let's all go to the lobby. No? 
No, it isn't. Is it really? That's an intermission song at the drive-ins. Oh, I just well, yeah, was trying to the, throw you off. With the hot dog, right? Yes. Or the dancing hot Okay, I knew that. I knew that. Somebody has a phallic fixation because there's other foods there. I'm going to put on my Sigmund Freud pipe and talk to you. Oh, anyway, yeah. I'm going to go with Shotgun from Junior Walker. Sounds good? Let's do it. At the very beginning of the film, Paul gave the book for the manuscript. Wait, Paul gave a name to the book for the manuscript he had just. That's a terrible fucking question. No, it is untitled, but in yeah. the book, it's called Fast Cars. Oh, there you go. Okay. So that's like, you know, foreshadowing to what's about to happen. Mm. Your oh. fast cars right into a ditch. Paul gained much fame as a writer for writing books centered around a fictional character, Misery. What is Misery's last name? Phillips, Williams, Chastain, Cooper. Chastain. Such a good name. I know. Misery Chastain <laughs> by all my stars and garters. What was the name of Paul's agent? Marcia Newborn, Cindy Preston, Marcia Sandell, and Lorena Smith. Oh, I just remember it being Lauren Bacall. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's Sindel. I, Sindel. Anything with the word sin in it, I'm going to remember, right? Okay. What was the name of Buster's wife? Cracker lady number one. Frisky cracker lady number one. Sorry. Nancy Gwendolyn Esther, Virginia. I thought it was if, Esther. No. Right? I'm pretty sure it's Virginia. Oh, my I'm God. I'm fairly certain because I remember thinking... We just rewatch. I I say we. I rewatched it very recently. No, I literally just watched it. I watched it on Sunday. Are you sure? Yeah, I literally just watched this on Sunday. And the old people are like my favorite part about it. They're so funny. She's always talking shit. Do you want to bet? I thought it was Esther. I could have sworn I was thinking of Esther, but maybe I'm wrong. Okay, if I'm right at the end of this, you have to say I'm a funky face butt boy. And if I get it wrong. I have to say I'm a funky face butt girl. Deal? Okay, we'll I have to write that down. What do we have to say again? <laughs> I'm a funky faced butt boy. Okay, because now I'm probably going to get it wrong. Lovely. Okay. In the okay. famous, oh, it's, excuse me, in the infamous hobbling scene, Annie told Paul a story about how some in the past were punished for stealing from what kind of mines? Diamonds, silver, gold, none of these. Silver. You are. Incorrect. Damn it. You're right. No, I think it's in the book. It's silver, if I'm not mistaken. But then in the movie, it's diamonds. Because I made a joke in my mind as she was saying it, because I was thinking about uh, how they make children in Afghanistan mine lithium for the little cell phone that you're probably listening to this podcast with. So I shouldn't talk (laughs) too much shit. Before Annie came back to kill Paul when he thought she was dead, he hit her over the head with a typewriter. True or false? True. Yes. Paul read an article about Annie being a nurse when she snooped through an album in Annie's. In the article, it said Annie was a nurse on what ward? Maternity, oncology, Alzheimer's, psychiatric. Maternity. Correct. What did Annie use to kill Buster? Knife, hammer, tractor, shotgun. Shotgun. This is a stupid question because they should have said instead of tractor, riding lawnmower, which is what she actually kills the deputy with in the book. Finally, when Annie gave Paul a typewriter to write his new misery novel, he told her the paper she had was unacceptable since it smeared true or false. True. Well, she had to get new paper. She had to go get new paper, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's smeared. And with that, we got 100%. Except, well, I got 100%. You 
have to tell me that you are a what was it a fluffy I'm butt a, boy i'm a funky i wrote it down <laughs> dan's gonna see this later like what the fuck i'm a, i'm a, <laughs> i hate you i'm a funky faced butt boy there you have it <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the funniest thing that's ever happened on this show. Uh, I hate <laughs> Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So in case no one noticed, we're talking about misery. Did we say that? We said that. Yeah. No. Cool. We mentioned Annie. Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? Yeah. I kind of wish that he said that. You've been stuffed by a smooth author man when he <laughs> stuffs paper in her mouth. I know. I know. Good for him. Like, whenever, mm-hmm. oh, it is Virginia. I'm looking at it right now. Damn it. Virginia. (laughs) Dude, I love their dynamic. It's way more interesting. So I'm going to say this. I read the book or audio book did or whatever, and the book is fine, but the book is very similar to Watchmen, the comic versus the uh, movie by Zack Snyder. Reason being in the book, just like in the comic, there's a huge deviation into the fictional world's fictional world. You know, you have the whole like black pirate writer, whatever they call it in Watchmen. In this, they actually get into the writing of the misery novel that he is going mm-hmm. through. And it, it gets weird. Like he's talking, he goes, like they all go to Africa and there's like a queen goddess of bees and stuff. So that's kind of a, a weird detour. She leaves more times. That's another detour. It's really a story about his crippling issues with addiction to the novel pills versus the movie moves at an incredibly brisk pace considering it's 107 minutes yeah it does it's a very fast movie and it dives right in she doesn't waste any time being strange especially after he gives her the manuscript right and lets her read it yeah she gets into it like that and that's that's basically the first huge issue that they have is and that's the whole dialogue is taken directly from the book where she's talking about like the fucking food and the bitchly whatever um, it, that really well done that's like the kind of shit where i wonder if she had to audition with that because the screenwriter william goldman did pitch her but then there were a bunch of other people talked about i read stuff about everyone from angelica houston to bet midler and all this stuff so i'm assuming she still had to audition even though she was recommended and that that has to be what you audition with because you get your start off where you're oh she is so good i she's Mm -hmm. the best cast person in any stephen king i've ever seen true or false Mm -hmm. true i agree she really i mean she's captivating just waiting for her to like snap and even when she's being sweet it's like and she never really looks at him like she's always kind of looking off to the side and i don't know like isn't that a little like uh (laughs) so that let's get into it because that freaks me out i think that this movie is shot like complete shit for how good the movie is so and i i I kind of went crazy i was i looked into barry sonnenfeld very significantly because i was like okay what the hell is with this movie it everything just looks weird Mm -hmm. like the way that the rooms are saturated there's no dynamic lighting everything's very washed out everything's very almost like a like a bad theater production it's overlit you know, mm-hmm. like there's no layers to anything. Everything is, I mean, even when he's going through the house, everything is equally lit. When he leaves the room, it's a brightly lit hallway. When he goes into the living room, it's a brightly lit room. And it's just like she left the lights on. One of the things that's interesting about the book is everything feels very dingy and gross outside of that room. 
Because as soon as he goes out there, he sees that she's been having manic episodes where she's eating junk food and it's just slovenly and gross. And so you have these ups and downs. They kind of explore her psychosis versus this movie, aside from the beautiful exteriors, just looks bad, right? Yeah, it's I, I attribute that to the facts, especially with her house, because I feel like that kind of lighting and the way that it looks, it's like a lot of old people's houses back in the day. Like I remember a lot of people's houses, especially I was living in upstate New York then. But a lot of like old people, like my grandmother's house included, they all looked like that. Like even the lights were the same, like it just all kind of, so I don't know if that's like mimicking or maybe that was like a thing back then. I don't know. That's your experience. So your experience is like kind of the same tone, same brightness, just kind of flat. Even even the walls and everything. And so I attribute that maybe because it's always been that way for years and just kind of, you know, that that's just the way it is and they don't ever update their houses or anything. I I don't know. You don't like it. Do you remember? I I don't know how. It's just weird because like, you know, during so much of it, and this movie does a fairly good job of being a little bit easier to digest because the book takes place over the span of like nine months, whereas this movie is basically, it's like six weeks, I think is what they get down to. Um, and there's the light coming in from outside. But if there's a blizzard going on, you're going to need interior light. And mm-hmm. it's just, it, it doesn't really work. I don't know. Maybe my grandparents' houses were all like dynamically lit differently. But like, there's a perfect element. Like, there's the picture behind you, right? Yeah. So you can see the side of her face, which is the page that she's reading, is in shadow, but that light behind her isn't on. So we're just reading based on ambient light. So if there's enough ambient oh, light, so you're it, not really. I see what you mean. Okay. It's just, I, I don't know if it's meant to look weird. That's the thing, because it could be purposefully unnerving, because I feel like the shots with Buster and his wife look a little bit more dynamic. I feel like the shots in the sheriff's office are a little bit better, but in the shots in that house, I don't know if maybe it's just a practical set and they couldn't do it better, but I hate the way this movie looks. Interesting. This was the last film that Sonnenfeld ever worked on as a cinematographer. And then he went on to direct Adam's Family 1 and 2, Men in oh. Black 1 through 3, Wild Wild West, and he directed the Beverly Hills Cop 2013 unaired pilot where Axel Foley teams up with his son, uh, which <laughs> super into the idea of, given that I'm a huge fan of those films, but also kind of afraid of. How is it that we got into Wild Wild West yet again? Jim West, <laughs> Desperada, Rough Rider. No, you don't want nada. <laughs> it's, it is a movie that has a rich history. Also, if I'm not mistaken, Mark Scheiman who did the music for this, also did the music for In-N-Out, also starring Kevin Klein, who was the co-star of Wild Wild West. Well, there you have it. And it's I not In-N-Out what a hamburger is all about. It's In-N-Out where Kevin Klein, uh, I think, fucks Tom Selleck. Oh, okay. <laughs> who's now a crazy conservative. So I don't I don't know where people's values change. Ooh, so maybe Tom I'll listen Selleck? back to this. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Isn't he on oh. Blue Bloods and crazy? I, I Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I, I think he's on Blue Bloods, um, but I haven't really cared to watch him in anything since he was on Friends, so I couldn't tell you. Mm, good choice. I could, could not tell you, but I did like him on Friends, so I'll give him that. Oh, <laughs> what I would say was a good choice is that you eventually stopped watching Friends. Well, when it stopped airing. <laughs> because it's the worst show it's ever oh, been. Oh, my God. It Have you ever watched the it? Worst. The two best shows you can watch without a laugh track are that and Two and a Half Men, because it's just like awful and cringy it is so weird and unnerving i've never seen shows like it let's move on 
Mark Scheiman, the music man, did everything that, that Rob Reiner ever did, along with South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, Team America, and then <laughs> uh, selfishly, I have to mention City Slickers and City Slickers 2, the legend of Curly's Gold. Oh, okay. Music's not great in this, right? <laughs> I mean, it's fine, I guess. It serves its purpose. Because Rob Reiner even listed Alfred Hitchcock as like a, a key reference for this film, right? This movie needs a psycho hook. It needs something to show the dynamic shift. And maybe it doesn't need it because Kathy Bates is good enough at it. But I feel like it would really add. If you had more dynamic lighting, more dynamic music, it would accentuate her Academy Award 1991 63rd Annual Academy Award winning Best Actress Acting. Oh, my God. Well, okay. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that would accentuate anything. I feel... Like you were right when you started to say that she didn't need it. Don't think she needs it. She doesn't need it. That's why it's accentuating. Yeah, but if you don't need it, you could. It could. It could. Sometimes things don't accentuate. It's like when you leave the house, look in the mirror, and take off one piece of jewelry, kind of thing, right? Not you per se. I mean, unless you're wearing jewelry. But I'm just saying that I don't think she needs anything to kind of enhance her. Quick question. If Mr. T follows that rhetoric, does he take off all of the gold chains? Is it one gold chain collectively, or is it each one its own individual piece of jewelry to be removed? I think it'd be the whole thing has to be. If it, if it goes together, then it's one piece. Yeah, because I think yeah, I think that's fair. I, I pity the fool because he has to take uh, 17 pounds of gold necklaces off. <laughs> but if anybody's ever wondering how he got so buff for Rocky Three, it's because of neck training. Oh, my God. Where did we get into? Okay. Anyway. Film was directed by Rob Reiner. Does that blow your mind? Not really. I mean, I think that I I really do like all of Rob Reiner's films. So let me pull this up right now because I feel like I wrote some of them down. But there's, um, I mean, he has so many. And my thing is, is that the fact that he's Mike Stivic and then he goes on to do stuff like this. To me, it's just like, I feel like he's a better director than he ever was an actor. Because as far as like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched, um, if you've ever watched All in the Family. I don't know why that just left my head. Did you ever watch the show? Yep. I'm surprised you haven't because I feel like you'd like it. Like it's basically the entire show. People say that we would never get away with doing it now, but it's basically like a satire of, you know, like an older generation being, um, you know, told that their old views of racism and, and how they look at the world is wrong. Right. So, cause you know, Archie Bunker plays like, you know, kind of curmudgeon kind of racist old man. And Mike is his I've son-in-law. Heard it's overtly <laughs> not kind of. No, he's yeah. He's pretty bad. Yeah. And, um, but my thing is, is that like Archie does learn, like he learns from that. Right. So it's like, you can always tell that the show is, kind of showing people like, okay, this may have been acceptable at one point in time, but it's mm. no longer acceptable. So you need yeah. to get the fuck over it and just grow from that. Right. Mm-hmm. So Archie does grow. And so I, you know, people say that it wouldn't work today. I think that people are just looking at it at face value and not really understanding like where there's so many, I, I will defend the show until I die. It's one of my mm. favorite shows. And, you know, for, since you hate, I know you hate friends, but this is legitimately a funny show. It's and, a real quick question. Yeah. Archie Bunker, is he played by Kirk Cameron? Because it sounds like with all of his character development, he might have some growing pains. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> I knew you were going to say it. I knew it. Ugh. Anyway. I'm sorry. Let me explain the joke so no one is left behind. 
the other great. I know, I know what you're talking about. I hope that joke cheers up someone's spirit and that we are saving (laughs) Christmas. Man, I'm riffing today. What's this all about? (laughs) I don't know. It must be your little Simpson satire behind you. Oh, yeah. This Uh, is a reference to misery. This guy gets hit by Moe's car. He says, hey, can you take me to the hospital? They drive past the hospital. And then he says, uh, wasn't that the hospital? And he says, hey, have you seen misery? And the guy's like, no. And he says, then this is going to be new to you. And he drives off into the woods and it's delightful. Yeah, I know. I love when they do little parodies of uh, different horror movies on The Simpsons because it's so fun. They do such a good job with it. Um, Okay, so yeah, we have uh, Stand By Me, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, A Few Good Men, American President. Oh, I didn't know he did Alex and Emma. How funny. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, So yeah, obviously. He also did did Ghosts of Mississippi, The Story of Us, The Magic of Belle Isle, Flipped. North, uh, when Harry met Sally, and then Mark Scheinman did all the music for all of those. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Attached okay. at the hip, those two. Well, it's like know, stuck on you with Greg Kinnear and Matt Damon. Oh my God, that stupid movie. <laughs> <laughs> Did you forget remember. that existed? I yes, forgot that I existed until right now. <laughs> okay. So is it is it his I think it's his style because I think he he does bring in humor to a lot of the things that he does. And there is yes. a lot of humor in this movie. Maybe a not lot. maybe not necessarily even with Annie with her with her bullshit little sayings. Oh my god. <laughs> that is huge in the book though. Paul Sheldon even refers to them as Annieisms, like cockadoody, dirty birdie. Very, very prevalent. But the character of Buster and his wife are basically played for laughs, which is amazing because in the story, there's, you know, I often talk about my favorite narrative when I was a kid was Brian Shock's Redwall because I love that you had one chapter for Matthias. And sorry, I just got some feedback on my microphone. This is going to be a bad audio test. Let me tell you right now, not liking it, going to switch back to my other mic. You had one chapter for Matthias, one chapter for Clooney the Scourge. And so that kind of back and forth added to this dynamic tension until you got to the climax. Book's not that. The movie is kind of that because it's like, oh, what are they doing? Let's check it on Buster. Let's check it on him. Let's check it on Buster. But then at the same time, it's not just Clarice Starling pouring over papers and trying to decipher what's going on. It's, ah, I'm not going to fuck my wife, so I'm going to read this book. I know. Well, you know, he's off having affairs, right? He's doing all these things. Yeah. <laughs> like they just sit and talk shit to each other. And I think it's such a cute little, little back and forth. Like I said, it makes me sad that she, she does get Buster at the end. Like that's, that sucks. Like yeah. his wife is really going to think he ran off with some, some lady now. <laughs> they never find the body. <laughs> They'll find the body. Right. Well, if, if, if he didn't get away, they never would have found the body. Well, that's an interesting thought. Is it what if she thinks that he was there to be with his um, lady love, Kathy Bates, because and he's reading the books because he's in love with her? Ooh. Oh. It's a lover's quarrel, and it just happens to be there's a famous writer who has a broken legs in the basement. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, I do have a question, though, for you since you yes. read the book. I have I several this- answers. I don't know if this is um, if this get, getting in the way of what you wanted to say next. So if it is, no. we can we can circle back. I have no plans. I'm just reading out of notes that I typed up this morning. Okay. All right. <laughs> so my quick, because I, I basically wrote down questions I had for you. Yes. Quiz me. Well, I'm not. It's not really. And a if quiz, I get I'm them just... wrong, I will say I'm a farty-faced bum girl. What was it? 
a funky face, but <laughs> that girl. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, I know that's going to be the next t-shirt, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm a funky faced butt boy. Mm-hmm. And we're going to put Jake's face on the shirt. <laughs> Proud. Um, okay. So now I forgot. Okay. So my question to you is when he's reading the newspapers and they call her the dragon lady Yes. and she's killed, you know, it's implied that she's been killing babies in the maternity ward and her dad and her college roommate. Yes. Yeah. So what, what is she doing to them? Like, is she, is she like, is she trying to do, which is kind of like a Munchausen by proxy thing. I feel like when she's injuring him so that he needs her, is she doing those things to them? Or is she like maliciously, does the book ever explain anything or is it just like, poof? It's implied. All of that information is given to you in two ways. There is the scrapbook, which is hugely important. The scrapbook also details a bit more of the trial. Annie has a couple of outbursts where she refers to having been taken to Denver for her trial. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit more there. Paul has some imaginings as to what have happened, some machinations, if you will. Um, but it starts off, she kills her dad. She kills her college roommate. She starts off as like an angel of death, killing old people. Then she goes to babies. And it's interesting because it, she has a very distinct modus operandi. The um, photo album has the announcement of her working somewhere, death toll. Uh, it, it's pretty dark because it details that a lot of these babies were killed before they were even named. Um, oh. And then she gets put on trial for it, dismissed. So uh, the way it starts, you know, you don't really know what she has done. It's There's the allure of her referencing a trial. And that's one of the things that prompts uh, Paul to go into the book. And that she had set up three hairs across the um, photo album so that when they were displaced, she knew he'd gone through it versus in this, it's a little bit, this consolidates several of him like going out and coming back in much easier, much better. I think Mm -hmm. for this type of narrative, because in the book they're dealing with her mental illness and her, like she actually goes to another place and stays there for at one point 51 hours and leaves him there. And he's like, I got to piss and stuff. So uh, he doesn't try and roofie her in the book. Little different. Okay. Aged a little bit better in that regard, I think. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's probably one of the 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 one one of the moments in the movie when you're watching it, and she spills the wine after he's already put all the stuff in there, and mm-hmm. knowing knowing how long it took him to gather all of this pills and do all of that stuff, and uh, just that she spills it is just such a like a gut like. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> so they did a really good job with that. Well, it's also great because, you know, his face lingers a little bit more beyond the point of like believability in terms of like if you're trying to put on airs. But you think about he's literally been putting himself in agonizing pain to effectuate this plan. So it's not just the time lost, it's also the suffering he went through to do this. Uh, pretty, mm-hmm. pretty rad shit. In the book, he never really gets over his novel addiction. He keeps talking about how he needs to mitigate and limit his intake and stuff. But he he kind of does, but it's it's nowhere near like this. There's no plan behind it. And similar to this, she also finds his knife and everything. It's under the mattress. Okay. Okay. So, well, that, that's Quiz interesting. Quiz me some more. Okay. Um, so we were talking about, and you were saying, you know, uh, Buster in Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, Esther, not Esther people. I don't know why. I think her name is Esther in another movie. So their relationship, is it the same or is that just like kind of just played up in the movie? Oh, Buster and his wife? Yeah. They're not in the book at all. They're not, they're not at all. Mm-mm. 
Oh. There's uh yeah, so the deputy there's a deputy who comes around. There's no counterbalance to it at all. Uh, there's a scene where a guy from the bank comes to the house to put a tax lien on. Paul gives her the money out of his wallet. She goes. The next time that somebody visits is when they find his car and it's just some deputy and Paul okay. throws the ashtray even though he's not allowed to smoke, whatever, through the window, gets the guy's attention. She then runs over the guy's head multiple times with a riding lawnmower. Pretty sick. Apparently, Kathy Bates wanted that in the movie, but Rob Reiner was like, nah, it's a little silly. And I'm like, not silly, juicy. <laughs> and then the next time there's a cop and another cop who he refers to as David and Goliath because of their size disparity, they can tell something funky is going on. And then the next time the cops are there is with a warrant based on the first time that they're there. So those are the interactions that they have. Okay. And does she kill the cops the way she kills Buster or is this? Or she only is- kills the deputy with the lawnmower. Okay. She doesn't actually shoot anybody. There's no shotgun. She does have the pistol and she does talk about killing them both. And that's this weird sense of camaraderie that they kind of develop in the book which I think kind of shows like the Stockholm syndrome kind of thing, because he becomes obsessed with finishing the book. She cuts his foot off. She cuts his left thumb off and carterizes it. So he's like mangled and maimed. And he views himself as kind of just, this is the only thing he has left to do is to finish the book. And in the book, he's so obsessed with getting it done, that he's like bargaining with her and basically like, Hey, you can kill me. Just let this be done. Right. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is, in the book, he releases that book. The What he burns and puts in her mouth is like a couple like loose pages and some notes and some blank paper. And then the great suffering that she has is that he puts out the book and she never gets to read it, but everybody else does. And so he does benefit from it, but then he never wants to go back to that character. He doesn't want to write his memoir. He ultimately ends up writing a book about a little boy and his pet skunk, which is really weird. Versus in this, he does burn it. That's why the book that he releases after is distinctly not this, which I think is an interesting... I mean, it's kind of like the difference between the Johnny Cash hurt and the Nine Inch Nails hurt. When you talk about, I wear this crown of thorns, I wear this crown of shit. There's very, very different things with a very minor tweak. Okay. So that goes... So what you're saying is in the book, she survives? Briefly? Very briefly. Since she so, can never read it. So that's what I like. Well, that's it. in either situation, she never gets to read it. So yeah, there's no, that. Of course. Okay. But he can at least benefit off. So in the book, they do the same thing where she's like, I got you, bitch. Um, but <laughs> she ends up, so he ends up on the other side of the door and he's in so much pain. He takes more pills and he passes out. And then the cops show up and then they, he is like, oh, behind the door. Blah, blah, and they go, she's not there. There's a broken window and she's gone. And then it cuts to his apartment and he has his prosthetic foot. He's like, let's all go to the lobby. And then she shows up with a chainsaw and he realizes she's not there. There's no chainsaw. I remember that she died next to misery, the sow in the barn. So it's a little fake bullshit ending. Stephen King always has a hard time ending his shit. This ending is better. It's just simpler. It's not that it's like wildly deviant, but I think that the I'm your number one fan is chef's kiss simplicity that's all you need yeah no i agree especially when just coming up with the cart and everything and you can see it in his face like this is something it's implied this is something he's going to probably live with with the rest of his life right so i i do like that aspect of it and i feel that it's because it's interesting when you're watching different movies because i feel like 
invariably almost all of King's movies that get adapted, like either people are comparing it to how Brian De Palma depicted it in Carrie or how Stanley Kubrick depicts it in The Shining. So when you're seeing other movies being, you know, how different people, I guess, see it and want to sort of, you know, relay that to the world. Yeah. It's, I feel like, I feel it's almost more of a, like a Stephen King kind of weird type ending, but I don't know. I'm not a big fan of his novels. I try to read them. I have it. I read through some of it. Oh, it's referenced in this. In the in the book? Yeah. So Yeah, a lot of his books reference other ones I noticed. Or like when he talks about being a kid days. and getting away with smoking. Blew directly into the microphone on purpose. Enjoy editing that. Uh, <laughs> it's because his mom goes out with Mrs. Kasparak, who is impliedly Eddie's mom. Okay. There's also okay. an overt reference because this takes place in Colorado to the Overlook Hotel. Interesting mm-hmm. thing there. Jack Torrance in the novel has a croquet mallet, which they substitute for an axe. In this, instead of using an axe to chop off the foot and hobble, she uses a hammer. There's your referential. Oh, and then there's also the, um, what is it, critical reader? Remember the thing? Constant reader. That's what Stephen King's fan base is. He refers to Annie expressly in the book as a constant reader, but also capitalizes the same to denote an affinity to his own fans kind of dark yeah because doesn't he say she well she's sort of a metaphor for his own drug addiction but also Mm. the fact that his fans are you know so obsessed with his work and they're pissed off about something he wrote um and he right i mean he's written so many fucking things like i don't know how anybody can even keep up but i guess it's the same with like other other you know novelists like I feel like when I'm reading a series, I get through the series and I never really see anything else like from authors that I read now versus like someone like him who's been writing forever and I think still writing. Right. So, yeah. And co-writing. I think that's where he's at more. But I've always been somewhat suspicious that he like the Bard has ghostwriters. And, uh, you know, it's just when you look at the incredible volume that you're dealing with, like George R.R. Martin. Uh, they had done like a an artist on artist thing, and he was like, "How the fuck do you write so much?" And Martin is an extreme example in the other way. Like he still hasn't finished that last Game of Thrones book or whatever. Yeah. King, on the other hand, has just done everything. Like the reason that Rob Reiner did this movie is because he had done Stand by Me, which is an adaptation of The Body. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, when we think about it, you have Arnold Schwarzenegger and adaptations of Stephen King works, he, prolific, so much content that he's having to create pseudonyms. Ultimately, Bachman died because of this book due to cancer of the pseudonym because he was originally thinking he might release this under the Bachman name, but realized that he was Bachman and that he should just kind of be him. Even because originally, like you said, this was going to be a vessel for him to kind of expunge and press back a little bit. The thing is, just like the drugs, just like the fan base, the opiate of the masses, the, the adoration, the serotonin or dopamine or whatever that you get from your stupid like on social media that plus finances plus everything it's all kind of commingled and i think they do a good job in the book of establishing that paul's dependence is resented like my favorite part of this whole movie is when she's like waving at him through the window and he just flips her off and she goes (laughs) oh you're such a kidder (laughs) right like imagine getting to the fame of stephen king where he could he could literally go and make a press release and just be like hey simply fuck you all and people will be like oh that's steven all right well yeah and 
because people think he's, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but a lot of people like whenever I read any articles or like any speculation about the kind of person he is, they just say he's weirdo or there's yeah. just something off about him. Right. And I'm like, I don't necessarily think that, think that because I'll, I'll watch an interview with him and like, he'll be talking about his wife or about his weird house that he has, or, you know, you know, things that are mundanely like not, you know, not like his characters, I guess I should say. So I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know. I've never met him. I would love to meet him just to kind of, because I think as a writer, I think it's great that he's, that he's still churning things out. I just think it's, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I like that he can, that he can, you know, traverse all of these different types of, of, of books. Like I read the girl who loved Tom Gordon. So that's such a strange, like, I know I bought it when I was a kid thinking it would be scary. I mean, it's, it's weird. Like it's strange and yeah. it's freaky. I don't know if you've read it before. No, It's about this little girl. They're making it into a film. But oh, it's about, great. Yeah. <laughs> well, they keep saying that. I don't know if they're, if they're, or maybe it's already been made and it flopped. Who knows? Very possible. <laughs> but um, it's about this little girl who gets lost in the woods and then she starts, it's sort of like um, Gerald's game kind of thing where she, she starts hallucinating and all this shit starts happening. Right. But it's just, it's strange. Does like, she fuck every one of her friends at the same time? In no, a sewer? Isn't, oh God. And, and so there's other things too. Like, why would that even be? <laughs> In a book, I just don't. And what's so weird is his wife like proofreads everything he does. I don't know how it goes through the filter of like a woman. And I'm not yeah. trying to cast aspersions to her, but maybe she wants him to have like an uncompromised artistic vision. I don't understand. I still don't understand. I don't yeah. understand. I don't understand that either. I so weird. I'm so glad that they never touch on that because I feel that that's so unnecessary. Like, I think it would have been more of a thing, maybe if they were a little bit older or maybe like, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, if they weren't like kid kids, but the fact that they're still, you know, children, I just, the idea, that idea is just, (laughs) so so that's another reason why I don't want to get to the end of the book. (laughs) Well, so it's uh, only 7,000 pages. You don't have to worry about it. Well, exactly. I know. And then what? what's the, the, the show that's out right now that I really wanted to watch, but I was like, I'll just read the book beforehand. And my coworker was like, oh my God, it took me like fucking Deal forever. Of time. The one with, um, with Alexander Skarsgård in it right now. Wheel of Time. That's not the, the, the show. Wheel it's of Time. What, Everybody's talking about it. It's like a, a book franchise. No, it's not that one. That's the new, new one. I'm talking about the one that came out last year. Okay. Stephen King. I'm Googling it right now. I don't know why I can't think. Stephen King. Succession. Show. No. True Blood. Uh, the Legend of Tarzan. Oh, my God. The Stand. These, oh. The Stand. Okay. Boom. You're over here trying to be. The Stand. The How long ago was that shit? That literally just came out. 2020. It was one season, but I had this great cast and like, I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know if. Um, the, uh, I was about to say the apocalypse is a pandemic. I mean, are we that far off? <laughs> but it has um, Alexander Skarsgård as Randall Flagg. Amber Heard is in it. Whoopi Goldberg is in Catherine it. Catherine McNamara, Jar- James Marsden, um, Owen Teague, who is in the It films. Ezra Miller is in it. Yeah, Whoopi Goldberg, Fiona Doroff. Oh, my God, I love her so much. Um, I can list names, too. Heather Graham. 
Heather Grant's in it too. Oh yeah, she is. Look at that. I thought for sure you're going to talk about Castle Rock, which funny enough, Rob Reiner's production company, Castle Rock was named after the town well, from the body stand by me, which he Castle Rock. He didn't do stand by me until years after, which I just realized, or no, it was before. It was before. Years before. And yeah. then he did Harry Met. I always think that he did Harry Met Sally, then Stand By Me, but it's reversed. But um, you want to know some of the gripping good content that came out of Castle Rock? Yeah, sure. Dracula I mean, I Dead and Loving It that. on Ironically Love. <laughs> Kangaroo Jack, Never Seen Too Afraid, Would Rather Kill Myself. <laughs> Mickey Blue Jack. Eyes also has <laughs> James Can in it. The The Treasuria. Remember that? Is it James Khan or James Can? James can do whatever he wants. He can pronounce it Khan. You know, his son had a nice ass in Varsity Blues. I was like, look at this guy. And I'm like, oh my God, it's James Conn's son. It's so funny. I think of James Conn and I think of Rollerball. And so that's one of the frustrating <laughs> things in this movie is like, he's he's a man, you know? And so him being hurt is kind of good. But like with Paul Sheldon in the book, he he's never a man. Like He's always kind of, you know, thin and wafy and... So he's already kind of, she could probably already kick his ass on his best day. This, I, I'm really glad that they add the shoulder because it'd be somewhat harder to believe that he would have such a hard time with her. But yeah. also the book takes place over nine months, like I said, versus this is one month. So the fact that he has a shoulder boo-boo is a little bit different. The mm-hmm. training montage of him with the, with the typewriter, it's in mm-hmm. the book. Okay. Uh, that was another thing I wanted to touch on. And then also... Which I assume, I mean, how poetic is it for the writer to use his tool that he uses to bring all of these things to the world, right? To ultimately end someone's life at the same time. So, yay, good for him. I like that. Um, But no, I also wanted to ask that you said that she she chops his foot off. Correct. Okay. So there's just one foot, not not both. One foot, 12 inches. Now, I... (laughs) <laughs> well i have a ruler right here <laughs> ah, dude i saw the funniest thing i was in utah and i went to a uh, walmart scary and oh. uh they had one of those slap on wrist bracelets but on the interior it was a ruler and so i wanted to get it from my dad for when he goes fishing because like you need a ruler when you go fishing so you can measure your fish and he has this bright pink jangly thing and then his friends make fun of him and he goes what you always prepared cocksucker <laughs> <laughs> that'd be really cute actually um i didn't know you needed a ruler to go fishing but i don't like to fish so otherwise it's know. just a frame of reference you never know yeah people well, have tattoos of it of like rulers and shit on their hands and their legs and stuff so they can literally show off their fish that they have plucked from their homes and then threw back violently i know with their little hole in their mouth oh my god i'm a- <laughs> What if my kids asked me today and the way he said it, I'm getting off topic, but he's like, you're a vegan, aren't you? And I'm like, what? I said, I said, no, I used to be vegan. I'm not no, vegan I have anymore. an oral fixation on hot dogs as previously mentioned. I love hot dogs. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you ironically, I love hot dogs. <laughs> Somebody isolate that audio, that and the funky butt boy. Okay, but I will literally here, here. I will take a month's worth of Patreon money and I will give it to whoever makes the best techno song wherein we have those clips. Oh my god, we'll see what happens with that. I don't, I feel like people listen, but they never like, oh, I'm the Patreon member. Uh, maybe I should participate, right? Like, no, I just want you to have my money and to leave me the fuck alone. Okay, exactly. Cool, that's fine with me. Um, 
no, it's damn it. I had a really good point I was making anyway, but anyways, so back to, back to the, the foot thing. I yeah. honestly think that yeah. the hammering and breaking the feet is a worse visual than just chopping his foot off in my personal opinion. I think it's, I agree because he's being mangled. And one of the things that's really interesting um, in this, they imply that she's kind of stalking him. Right. And if she's stalking him, there's the implication that she could have taken more assertive action in causing his wreck in the first place. In the book, it just goes straight from crash, like he's driving to he's waking up. So he could have been driven off the road. There's other things that could have happened, but it's largely he attributes it to the fact that he was driving drunk. Consequences of your action. He had the champagne. Yeah. Exactly. And so in this, you know, and in the book, there's a question because his legs are so greatly mangled. It's almost like she might have been breaking them on purpose. Like she might have been. That's one thing I took from both is that, you know, especially looking in this one, if you look at the car that gets pulled out, it doesn't look mangled enough to where his legs would have broken that way. And so that's one thing I take, you know, I like to kind of imagine those like gray areas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that, that makes sort of sense. But I honestly think it's more vicious in that sense. Like if, once you cut it off, you cut it off. Right. It's gone. Yeah, the, she the can't pain do anything stuff. else with it. He yeah. does mention some phantom limb, but largely it's just kind of gone and done. Yeah. Like it's not something that I feel like if it's already kind of broken and then she does it again. Oh, and then watching the foot flop over the thing. Foot flop <laughs> every, every time I'm like, ah, I'm like screaming. <laughs> Stella's jumping around. Like, I can't, I can't do it. And, you know, I just think it's more severe in that sense. It's, it's sort of like in any kind of um, horror movie or any type of like gore or, you know, somebody torturing somebody else, like anything with fingernails or with extremities, like your fingers or your feet or something like that. Like just, oh, I can't, I can't watch it. Can't yeah, yeah it. I think that getting maimed is worse. Like, you know, you see people get fingers and stuff chopped off. It's a little bit easier. Like when you see those ones, uh, where like it gets broken or whatever and like crooked and like you have somebody trying to like manipulate their broken fingers. I always associate that with cold too. Like if you've ever like tried to change tire change without gloves and like in the dark and you're just flit sitting there till your fingers are like frozen. It's a very different sensation. Real quick. I had mentioned before Stephen King's it. Uh, one of the things I had failed to mention was Stephen King's it, the, uh, the famous do you have any Prince Albert in a can? <laughs> um, that came out the same month in November of 1990. Oh, okay. okay so that just struck my brain. Both movies got their asses kicked by Home Alone, neither here nor there. But uh, yeah. it was a weird month. You also had The Rescuers Down Under and Rocky Five. So oh, very weird. I... Predator 2. I'm oh, getting okay. too old for this shit versus The Predator. <laughs> I love The Rescuers Down Under. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> have I mentioned on the show that I used to steal my parents' uh, toenail clippers that had like the cuticle thing and I would pretend that was a pocket knife when I would watch that? <laughs> no. <laughs> Even though I had a pocket knife, I was only allowed to use my pocket knife outdoors. That was my indoor pocket knife. <laughs> Child's Play 2 came out that month. That has knives. Psycho 4, the beginning, where it implies that Norman Bates had sexual feelings for his mother. Okay. Well, I mm. know you liked that one, so. Hey, I... <laughs> You it's guys interesting. Went on a whole tangent about it <laughs> like two episodes ago. I think that two and three are very, very good. I think that four is funny. Mm. He's lotioning her up, which to- ties in on our last episode, The Silence of the Lambs. Make sure you check it out. I can't believe we did the whole movie and we didn't say puts lotion on its skin or else it gets a hose again. 
Well, I feel like everybody says that all the time. In fact, I have a shirt that says that. And I don't know. I forgot. Oh my God. I forgot to fucking wear it. Damn it. Damn it. I'll wear it next time. Putts in around. Uh, we didn't talk about the runtime. 107 minutes for the movie, 420 pages for the book. So they cut out a lot. And I think that they succinctified it. Budget of 20 million. Gross of 61.3 million. I'm not mad at it. It's pretty successful. Academy yeah. Award. Mm-hmm. What else we got? Um, so we talked about everything that came out with it. Um, well, I guess let's talk about, I just want to talk a little bit more about Kathy Bates because I know we mentioned it before, but I couldn't remember Kathy Bates. If I had mentioned, I know this is a Patreon episode. I this think is? That I, no, not this episode, but. I was going to say shit. I would have put in a lot less work. I mean, more work, whatever it no, is. That the- no, 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 <laughs> no. I think I referenced it when we were talking about evil dead too. And that was a Patreon episode. Sure. So I don't know if I talked about it on an episode that the rest of the world heard, but Kathy Bates was living with Sam Raimi and um, yeah, remember we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. So Sam Raimi was living in a house with like a bunch of people and Kathy Bates was one of them. So like, I can't imagine like all of them living in like one place. And this was probably maybe like two years, a couple of years before misery. So I wonder if like, living and I should have looked this up, but I just, I like to speculate and like imagine these things in my mind. Cause it makes me feel better. But I wonder if she got some sort of like inspiration from the fact of living with, you know, people who do these disgusting horror movies, like with all of these gory things. Like, I wonder if she like got inspiration or something from that. Well, I know that one of the great ways that she got inspiration, uh, this is kind of helped through Rob Reiner because she did theater acting predominantly up until this point. And so she was very used to a lot of rehearsal and practice and prep. James Caan was kind of like, ah, fuck it, I'll do it on the night. And so she got very frustrated with him. And she kind of tattled on him to Robert, which is very interesting. It takes a lot of balls to do when you think Mm -hmm. about it. James Caan's an established actor, um, whatever. And for her to raise these issues is kind of, and Rob was like, you need to use that frustration in your character. And it's it's really interesting to see her blow up, especially having read that little tidbit uh, where you're like, damn, that's so intense. Like, I wonder if that's just true hatred. And I wonder what her like line reading partners from theater would have to say about her. You got the line wrong, you dirty birdie. Whap. <laughs> well, I mean, didn't he apologize, though? I was reading something that he apologized for, like, fucking some things up. He offered to pay for. Oh, because he showed up drunk, and they did reshoots. Yeah. yeah. Funny enough, there is an episode of this show that was so bad we re-recorded it and lied to someone and said that it was a technical error, just like Rob Reiner did. That wasn't with me on it, was that's it? Very long before your okay. time. Okay, I was worry. going. Oh, that's right. That's because there was like a washing machine involved. No, that's mimic. That's just that episode, just bad. Okay. No, this one involved somebody having a very poor performance on the episode, and us lying to that person and saying, "Oh, the audio is screwed up. Let's record it." And then the person was like, "Okay, I'll make sure I'm available." Strangely, on a night I'm usually never available. And then we had to record again with that person, and it was really awkward. But it wasn't as bad. Okay. Yep. And you'll never know. <laughs> I, you know what? I'll put it behind the paywall. Oh, okay. All right. Well, good. Because now I want into the cheese day. Oh, and just so everyone at home knows, the apartment was not just Sam Raimi and Kathy Bates. Bruce Campbell lived Bruce there. Campbell. Scott Spiegel, the Coen brothers, and Holly Hunter and Frances McDormand. Who is she really running around wearing that sack? Or is that just her character? Like, what is going on with her? 
Frances McDormand lately. She's been like all over the fucking place. Or you don't I follow like, her. I like Frances. I don't know that I've ever seen anything about her wearing a sack. Um, yeah. <laughs> she, well, because um, Kate McKinnon, like, is does parodies of her all the time now. And she's always wearing like a potato sack and looking crazy. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> but yeah. I've it Googled it. Fun fact. I don't see anything about her wearing a sack. I see a lot of stuff about Kate McKinnon playing her. Yeah. Oh, it's just an ugly dress. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I meant. Like a, not like a sack sack, but it looks like You said like a, a sack. What a am I supposed dress. to do? Extrapolate like a, based on what you said? <laughs> well, you're not a girl. You don't know like when, you know, like we have sayings about certain outfits <laughs> anyway <laughs> okay so, so that's it yeah that's all those are all my questions i just was curious to see what you thought about the the if that was worse the because, sack you know. dress? no the sack dress is ugly <laughs> yeah i'm, uh, I'm anti-sack dress but i mean overall i think that the movie is is probably one of the best the least compromised it is just a streamlining there's no aberrations you know okay. it's it's very clear to me why stephen king likes this movie you know, apparently like he like yelled out something about like, oh, she's got a gun when he saw it another time because he was so excited to have seen it. Okay. Um, well, I'm glad that he was happy with that because I know with others that he wasn't. So yeah. Real big, not a fan. And now fan. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's also has how do you phrase it? It is consistent with his vision. So I think that by this point, especially when did Maximum Overdrive come out? I think that he this was post. So I think that yeah. has a huge element to do of like how he realizes the impetuousness of his performance. Yeah. Cause that was 86. So I okay. think that when he looks at the shining, it's Kubrick did and goes, Hey, what the fuck? Why'd you change so much stuff? I think there's a certain amount of like the compromised vision of an artist because yeah. Carrie is practically a novella. It's very simple in terms of mm-hmm. what happens. So putting it on screen is a lot easier. Um, so I think that I'm a little bit of maturation. Also off the cocaine by this point, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> Darn. Okay. Um, and then when, oh, sorry, Stella's eating a box. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? What's not nice? Fun fact for those listening, we were late in recording because Stella decided to leave a <laughs> shit streak across Adrian's floor. Sorry. I had poop in my toes. I had to go wash my. That's the shirt. I had poop in my toes. <laughs> Wow. This is is my life. (laughs) (sighs) Um, But anyways, I'm sorry I was late, but I just wanted to go over before. Where are we on time? Are we good? Yeah, we're over. Uh, Who gives a shit? Okay. All right. So really quick. We always do on Stephen King once or so. It's involved. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about, especially I think that because it's a lot of, okay. So now we have movies that are being remade, right? Mm. So not just his books right mm. but like so you know carrie was adapted into carrie carrie has been remade how many fucking times right mm. the shining has been remade mm. which i don't know about that remake but okay uh, wasn't it on tv it was on tv yeah the shining then, one yeah with the guy from wings yeah it's terrible <laughs> with steven weber <laughs> yes the sexy brother <laughs> so, so yeah and then we have what else do we have it obviously was remade, but I honestly feel that it going from the miniseries, which I love the miniseries because I loved, again, I love John Ritter. John Ritter is getting so many hashtags with this episode. And so I do love that one, but I also do like Andy Machete's remake of part one. I'm not happy with part two. 
simply because I feel like they dwell too much on the damn kids. Like I want to see them as adults. I'm done with the kids. Give me the fucking adults. Why do you, are we, why do we well, keep going Warner Brothers goes, Hey, stranger things was successful. So we need to de-age children to be children again. No. no. And also Eddie was this, the hero. That was the best part. Then they made it like a team effort. Fuck out of here. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just, I, I feel like part two kind of just fell a little off and I loved, you know, I loved what's his name who played uh, Ben as an adult and I was Jay Ryan. And I was really disappointed that we didn't get more of him because I'm like, nobody loves him. Like I love this guy and he plays the beast and beauty and the beast. on oh God, um, <laughs> on, nobody on, loves him the way I, I do. know, but he's so great. And nobody like nobody's giving him a chance. And I feel like this was his shot. And I kind of feel like the movie just didn't really give him a shot. And so his shot is over. But anyways, I hope he never listens to this and hates me. So best quotes from Annie Wilkie before we go. What are your favorite ones? I was always a fan of Dirty Birdie. I was. <laughs> uh, I mean, th- th- there's a great scene in the movie that doesn't take place at all in the book where she goes into town well she it's kind of reference that she's leaving and she says the shitty people the Roylands and all that but the scene where she gets kind of cut off and she cock a duty and then she yells dirty birdie and that's what prompts the sheriff buster to kind of give her a, a look uh, that's a great scene because it shows how deranged she is it, it kind of hints at the fact that she's reviled in the neighborhood because in the in the book they it's a small town. You're put on trial for murdering children. People talk, you know, versus this, she kind of goes, you know, ostensibly you have no indication because you have no outside world. So that's like the one kind of glimpse that you get. So I'm, I think I'm going to go with Dirty Birdie. What about you? When she's fanning the fire in the room and she's like, heavens to Betsy, heavens to Betsy. <laughs> and yeah. it's, like, it's like my favorite thing because literally my mom and my uncle for years, like that was their favorite saying. And they were always making fun of this movie and I never knew that. But they would always like be yelling around the house, oh, heavens to Betsy and like constantly be referencing this film. And I finally watched it. I'm like, oh my fucking God, they're making fun of Annie. <laughs> Unless they're making fun of who's the Murgatroyd? Well, the no. top cat? It, it is this movie. Okay. I, I do know for a fact that they're talking about this movie because you know, my mom, my dad's brother and my mom, they used to love watching like Lifetime together. And so they're always watching these like crazy movies and stuff. And so <laughs> heavens to Betsy. So I got to love that. It's hilarious. And and I do like the whole cock of duty and the things that she says. It's just, it's such a dichotomy with the, with the person that she is because she does these horrific things, but she just can't say a bad word. But in the book, in the book, she does go crazy. And that's one of the key indicators that she's in her low point is because she says fuck and stuff. And so, oh, okay. So yeah. It's, you know, it goes she's... into like the self-loathing and everything. And also the dupliciousness. Like in this, they talk about how like you're, you, you see the phone that's gutted, right? In the book, he really realizes that she's concerned about people seeing her as being normal. That's the only reason why she's on the lawnmower outside that she ends up killing the deputy with because she's keeping up appearances. She keeps a phone. But he thinks that she like hot glues it or something like that, so it won't work. But she's keeping up the appearance that she has a working phone like normal people do. Um, so, mm. you know. Okay. Well, there you go. Poor Annie. So she's definitely not listening to Slasher's podcast on that phone. No lithium <laughs> no. batteries from abused children in that phone. <laughs> In terms of your favorite Stephen King adaptations, what's your favorite? Besides this one, well, I do really like this one, but honestly, my favorite would probably be Carrie. I do love Carrie yeah. and, uh, for obvious reasons. <laughs> but, yeah, it's brisk, it's dark, it's intense, it's sympathetic, it's got a lot. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. If the Stephen King, Stephen King's It from 1990 were a bit shorter, I could go there. 
but you can't cut out the montage where they're on the bicycles and he does the mm. <laughs> best part. Well, and I, I really do like his handling of, of his female leads. And so, which I think is that sort of, I don't want to say ahead of its time, but I feel like it could be more, they could, a lot of the women could be more objectified, which I guess in a sense, if the, it, they were all screwing the girl, then apparently I have to take that back. But I feel like Annie to have such, to have a woman in this role, like, you know, the fact that I don't think we're like, I, I like that we look at these things and, you know, even Carrie has a sort of strength, right? She, she develops into something that, you know, is much stronger. Carrie's mother is so, you know, brash. Like we expect men to do these horrible, terrible things. And then, you know, the fact that women are also allowed to do that as well, I think is pretty cool. So that's one thing. I don't know if I mentioned on the Carrie episode, I did a thousand years ago with a podcast. We don't talk to anymore. Uh, not that there was ever a violent drop off. It's just, I've, I've talked to a lot of people through the show, but I, I don't mind the, the slimification of the character with Sissy Spacek because it creates such a great duality of her being so slight of build and so powerful with her telekinesis versus in the book, she's much more described in the, in the Annie camp, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, well, okay. So there's that, but I feel that uh, I just really like that. I, I like having Carrie look like that. I feel that she is very sympathetic and she's kind of like, like even when she does kill everybody, you just feel for her. And I think that Brian De Palma does a really good job at that, you know, with watching, you know, the boyfriend die in front of her, like she fucking loses it. And it's no wonder it took her this long to lose it. Yeah, I know. I know because it fell in his head. And like John Travolta is such a pig in that movie. So it's like, it's really good to see these characters, you know, and, and, and actors that we wouldn't otherwise see play, but anyways. you gotta love the rebranding of it. Like co-starring John Travolta in a bit part. <laughs> anyway. Um, so I guess Eddie, so let's, let's, what, what are we going to talk about? What are we plugging right now? We have like a million new shirts, Jake. Million. What, is, what is your favorite design of all of your new ones? It's the one that took me three minutes to design. Slasher's podcast rules. <laughs> it's a reference to Monster Squad. Super simple. Can't believe I hadn't come up with that first. We've done all, all of them. As an artist-ish, yeah, I'm always a little frustrated when it comes to like my artist designs because I'm always compromising something for print quality. You know, I can't do the Sistine Chapel because it'll look like shit when it's printed out. So, mm-hmm. um, in terms of like an uncompromised artistic one, I think the the Pez Cemetery is good. It also references the first episode of this show, so that's kind of sentimental and sweet. But uh, I don't know. What about you? Great, ingratiate yourself to me. Tell me what you like of my designs. Oh, I like the Goonie, and I like I love the Goonie. The Goonie is my favorite. Like I was awesome. showing, I was showing people all week at my well dance sister, and like you know everyone with kids because they know who Bluey is. I'm like, look at our new design. I love that. And uh, of course, the Silence of the Lamps is one of my favorite ones. And I'll probably end getting the Slasher Slasher's podcast rules one because I think it's really cute. Like, and I like that it's up here and our, our name is up there and everything. So I think it's really like, you know, in your face. So that's a lot of fun. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think you did a really great job with all this. So thank you. And you guys can get those on slasherspod.redbubble.com. So make sure you get on there, get some stickers. There's mugs notebooks, all kinds of fun shit. Mouse pads. I was like, mouse people pads. still use mouse pads? Yeah, I have my mouse pad with my little wrist support because I'm old. Well, I have a laser <laughs> mouse. Yeah, make sure you check out Doug and Yahira over on B-Movie TV. Doug with Friday Night Action, Yahira with Saturday Night Terrors. Apparently, it's not my show anymore. 
that's cool. I'm excited to support and, and watch and have a couple extra hours to myself every week. There you go. Nobody told me. <laughs> just not my show anymore. Oh. I felt like that. Uh, this is not my beautiful wife. I'm like, this, this is not my show on a Roku TV. <laughs> Oh As gosh. the days go by, bye, summer, go summer, uh, uh, well, yeah, but um, it's okay. It's okay. We love you, Hira. <laughs> so I think it, it's great. fun. <laughs> so, um, and then, you know, obviously we have, uh, we're missing Doug because, uh, not because we're not all on the set show anymore. I just don't, don't want anybody to be scared. Doug hasn't been on because our schedules have been so drastically different lately. So we'll probably Doug see got more. himself a fancy real job. He did. He did. And so I'd love, I mean, I do miss Doug. I do miss Doug. So hopefully we can all get up the three of us or, the, or even the four of us do an episode one of these I days have, together. I even miss Coker. We did great yeah. on Texas Chainsaw too. So I'm excited to have him back. Yeah, that's great. I know. So, so I just want everybody to know that it's not always going to be the same people, but it, you know, it's the same show and it's the same bullshit we say, talk about every week. So yay. And um, don't forget if you want to be a Patreon member and you want to find out all the cheese may that Jake's going to spill on our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash slashers pod. All these fun tiers, pick one pay to hear the episodes early. And Oh, by the way, I'm sorry that I forget, keep forgetting to post them on the Patreon. <laughs> I just remembered. I'm so sorry. But yeah, so that, well, I'm sure Jake probably does it for me. I don't know, but we'll find that out. <laughs> and then you get to see our videos too. So um, we're also, we also have our YouTube page, which my coworker just found me on. So probably thinks I'm a fucking crazy person, but that's okay. But I think this is a great time to end it. So any last thoughts before we go? Just that I hope everybody has happy, safe holidays where they don't drive off of a cliff and into the loving arms of Annie Wilkes. Oh, unless you really want that to happen. <laughs> All right, guys. Goodbye and good day.